All right, good morning, everyone. Good morning and welcome to the well here at SDSA, an ordinary place where extraordinary stuff happens. And before I get too far into the talk, I agree with George. You should not be allowed to go in from the back like that. It should be from the front only, but that's a different topic. What we're talking about here today in this series, we're talking about the kind that breaks. We're talking about kindness. And what we've been talking about for the past several weeks and will continue today in a couple weeks to come is how we have at our fingertips access to a superpower a superpower that can change the world because it can change relationships. And that superpower is kindness. And what we've seen is that kindness is the very power of God incarnate. What kindness is, it's bringing God into our life because we define kindness as being good when the other person is not good. And what we're doing for the past, this is now we finished two weeks, right? We finished two weeks of our 30 day challenge. For those who are just stopping by here today, you're, we, we're in the middle of a, a five-week series, but more importantly, we're in the, that series includes a 30-day challenge, and it's based on this book called The Kindness Challenge, where what we are doing for 30 days, we're two weeks in now, is choosing one person to be the object of our kindness. And we are going to be so kind to this person, and we are going to see what happens when kindness inter intervenes in this relationship. And we define kindness specifically as three things. There's three things we're supposed to do for this person who we've chosen to be the object of our kindness. And that is number one, not say anything or think anything negative about the person. That was week one, we talked about that. Number two was the opposite, was to say and to think and say positive things about the person. All right, and that's what Michelin was referring to earlier, is that we said that we would find the person that we struggle to be positive with and we would say positive things to them. So if somebody was really, really nice to you this week, that means they think that you're kind of difficult and they just decided that you would be the object of their praise. Hopefully that's not the case, but hopefully it's also the case for everyone. But you know what I'm trying to say. And then this week we're going to get into the third aspect of the challenge. And why is it that we're doing this? Let me remind you, I always feel like halfway through the race is where you need to be refreshed on why it is that you're doing it. Okay, if anyone's ever run long distance races, the beginning you kind of set out and you sprint out and you're excited and you're pumped. And at the end, you see the finish line, so you sprint through this, the finish line. But it's that middle where things kind of get like, uh, well, you know, I did my best with the kindness thing. I kind of, I ran out of positive, like I've been kind to this person. I said positive things for 12 days. I can't possibly think of another nice thing to say to my wife, my husband, my kids, my boss. Like enough is enough. I did good enough. And it's at this point in the race that we need to remind ourselves of why we're doing this so we can push through to the end because I heard a nice quote on the radio yesterday. It was saying that if you kind of make changes, you will kind of get results. But if you want to really see results, you need to really make changes. And I don't want us to kind of go through the motions for a 10, 11, 12 days, then kind of resort back to the way it used to be, because then we'll kind of see some changes. But we said in this series that we want to see, we want the kind that breaks, okay? Whatever relationship it may have been, is in need of some breaking. And this is what uh, we said in the very, very first week right here. And this is based on what Shanti Feldhan wrote in this book, that our happiness, your happiness and my happiness depends far more, far more, not incrementally more, but far more on how we choose to treat others than on how we ourselves are treated. I can prove it experientially because I see it and I've tasted it and so have you. But the best thing about this book is, is Feldhan is a researcher who proves it with actual 
evidence and data. I'm gonna read you just the first paragraph of the book. This is how she opens the book. She said, I've seen a remarkable pattern during a decade of surveying thousands of people about their inner insecurities and needs, a pattern that upends all our ideas about what leads us to thrive in life. I've seen what makes us miserable and what lights us up. And as you might guess, it makes a difference when our needs are being met and when others know how to avoid hurting us. And it makes a difference when we experience fulfillment at work, love and appreciation at home. She's saying, those are factors. Appreciation at home, love, work, et cetera, et cetera. Those are for sure factors in our happiness. But above all, someone who surveyed thousands of people over decades, but above all, there's one greater factor. Whether we thrive in life depends far more on how we choose to treat others than on how we ourselves are treated. In fact, when handled well, that one factor often leads to those other things that light us up, and when handled poorly, it leads to misery. I don't need her evidence because I know this in my own life, and you know it as well. Someone does something to annoy you at work. Your boss says, your coworker does, or something maybe before you left for work, your wife did, or your husband did, or your kids did, or your parents, whatever it may be. And let's say two options. One option, you spend all day stewing about it. And so and so good. And you curse them in your mind. And you, yeah, 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 you think bad thoughts about them and you complain about them. And then you go and you make the meme with the Darth Vader with their face on it. And you post it everywhere and online. And you just, you just all day, you're thinking about how you're negative and you're complaining. Do you feel better at the end of the day? Do you go home and say, now I feel great. Now that I have destroyed the reputation on social media, now that I have complained about them to all my coworkers, now that I have made all my girlfriends realize that my husband is a slob, now I feel good about my life. Do you feel more peace or less peace? Do you feel more joy or less joy? Are you more or less irritated in life? Versus the other option, if we do the challenge, which is say, you know what? This person annoyed me, but number one, I refuse to think negative about them or say negative about them. So I'm gonna cancel those negative thoughts. I'm not gonna roll my eyes. I'm not gonna vent, because we agreed venting is oftentimes just a, a, a nice way of complaining. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna think anything negative or say anything negative. In fact, I'm gonna do the opposite. I'm gonna say, you know what? I bet you this person, I'm gonna see some good in this person. Or I'm gonna say, you know what? This may have been bad, but at least this could have been worse. Thank you, God, for this day. And then if I can do number three, which we're gonna talk about today, to do a kind act for this person. These are the three, by the way. Nixing negativity, practicing praise, carrying out kindness. And I was able to do something kind for this person, even though I didn't have to. How do you go home feeling that day? How do you feel at the end of that day when you didn't think negative, that you thought positive, and you were able to show an act of kindness? You feel better or worse about your life? So that's why this sentence right here, our happiness depends far more on how we choose to treat others. Man, that's true. That's reality. That's not made up stuff. That's not just like, you know, feel good stuff. That's reality on how you choose to treat others is more important than how others treat you, depending on it will dictate your happiness. And like I said, these are the three challenges that we've been doing. And the goal was not to just practice these for 30 days with one person. The goal was that by doing this for 30 days with one person, not two, not three, but one person to focus all of my kindness on one recipient, then I will see the benefits of that kindness and therefore I'll be hooked for life. I'll realize that this is the lifestyle that what I did right here and made the change right here, I wanna to start to apply that elsewhere in my life. So let me encourage you that if you have started to, to lose speed or lose motivation, like we're halfway through, we're 14 days in, we got 16 more to go. It's not too late to get back on the horse and it's not too late to practice these three things. And a little more motivation for you, as we're doing this, many people have come and showed, told me about the results that they're seeing. I shared last week about some of the results that I'm seeing in my 
kindness challenge. And this week I got several more stories to, that, that, that people coming and sharing with me. One person just the other day sent me an email about a situation at work. And basically this person was saying there was a big misunderstanding at work and one boss told her one thing and the other boss told her something else. And what this one told her got her in trouble with this and what this one told her got her in trouble with this. And she's now stuck in this bad situation between two of her bosses. And she wrote the following. Said each put me in a bad place with the other. I wanted to defend myself, but in the spirit of this kindness challenge, I wrote a simple note of apology that completely shifted each of their demeanor towards me. And then she put hashtag superpower. Another person told me, just shared with me a story on Friday about two siblings that haven't gotten along for years. Haven't gotten along for years. And within one week of the kindness challenge are like considering moving in together next year after one finishes school or something like that. Incredible stuff comes from, kindness is a superpower. And, and I, again, it's not just me. And what I told you all is that the last week of this series, which will be May 20th, May 20th, yeah, May 20th, the week before Memorial Day, I'm gonna share stories. So if you got a story to share, and you got a story that you would like me to share, or even better, you want to come up here and maybe tell it yourself, well, depending on what the story may be, okay? Send it to me. I would love to get those stories, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's with your parents. And if you don't feel comfortable, you want to be anonymous, you can go to stsa.church kindness, stsa.church kindness, and you can share that story and maybe it'll encourage somebody else. With that, let's jump into the challenge here for today. We're gonna to talk about the third challenge. We talked about nixing negativity. Don't think or say anything negative. We talked about practicing praise. We're gonna replace that negative. We're not just gonna not think negative. We're gonna to try to think positive. How are we gonna think positive? By saying positive and by praising and by complimenting and by all the things we discussed last week. Even when I don't want to, even when they're annoying me, even when I don't think I should have to, even when it's what they're supposed to be doing. We talked about that last week. And then today, the third challenge, which is carrying out kindness, which is this. Every day, do a small act of kindness or generosity for your person. A small act of kindness or generosity for your person. And I'm gonna emphasize the word small act, not big. First, let's kind of look at the big picture here. We said nixing negativity, practicing praise, and then doing kindness. We're dealing with the negativity and the unkind, unkindness in me at three levels. At the thought level, getting rid of the negative, at the word level, the speech level, practicing praise, and now at the deed level, by doing something about it. So we want to be kind here, when no one even hears it or sees it, we wanna be kind here, and then we wanna be kind now here, and we wanna show that kindness by our actions and by our deeds. And I wanna emphasize the word small, not big. Usually we think of acts of kindness, we think of big things like, you know, giving someone a, a gift of money or an expensive gift. Or we think, you know, that I have to, to go out of my way and, um, and pay for, you know, the guy behind me in the Starbucks line. Like that's a really kind act or pay for that lady who looks like she can't afford her groceries, whatever it may be, or give money to the homeless or, you know, help my friend move, you know, when they need help moving. We think of like these big acts, but here's the problem. That's not really sustainable. It's not really sustainable that in every relationship that you're gonna find big acts to do. Like, I don't have enough friends to help somebody move every single day. I don't know enough people that are in need, okay? Or I should say better. I don't have enough finances to help every person that I know who's in need. So we need to think instead of big, random acts, smaller, 
focused acts, intentional acts. And I'll explain what I mean in a minute. Today, we're going to look at four different ways to be kind. All of them are small, and they're small enough that you can do it with pretty much no cost to yourself. They're small enough that you can do with just about every single person that you interact with on a regular basis. We're focusing on one, but they're small enough that they can be a habit and a lifestyle, not just a flash in the pan. So when I say carry out kindness and do one act of kindness or generosity, I want you to think less flashy, less big news-making material, and more intentional and more consistent. Before I get into the four different ways, okay, especially when I get into the small, I just want to say one little caveat before we get into this, because this is super important. For those of you who say, especially it's important, for those of you who say, you know what, I've been doing this kindness thing for two weeks, I haven't seen any results. Like, yeah, you shared that story about that lady, you shared that story about whatever, I'm not seeing any results. And I'm kind of frustrated, because how long do I have to keep going before I see results? Be very careful about two things. Very careful about two things. Number one, make sure that you're doing all three of the challenges every day. Okay, we're getting this daily email if you sign up for the email list. And the email gives you some ideas of how you can practice. But don't fall into the trap of just doing what the email says and not doing the three. The email is on top of the three, okay? Because if you just do the tip, you're not really practicing kindness. Those are, those are, again, like random whatever it may be. But we need the daily practice. So that's number one. And here's the other more important one. Listen very carefully. This is everyone, but especially those who are not seeing results. Be careful about offering conditional kindness. Because conditional kindness equals not kindness. Because we agree that kindness is unconditional. And we agree that it's, I'm good when you're bad. And you, like me, at times have felt that there's people in your life who are being kind to you because they want something. And that doesn't help the situation. In fact, that actually makes it worse. So if you're going to this thing saying, you know what, if that person doesn't, I'm not gonna. If you're looking for something in return, then I'm telling you this kindness challenge will probably backfire in your face. We're going into this thing as Christ, unconditional. Unconditional kindness, good when they're bad. And we're not looking for anything in return. Because when you're looking for something in return, you may not say it with your words, but you say it by your demeanor. Your actions, your attitude says, I'm doing this and I'm expecting you to do that. And like I said, that can have a very negative influence, okay? So that's just one little caveat there. Not conditional kindness, unconditional. With that said, let's go into four different ways that we can practice kindness. What you're gonna see about all of them is they're small. They're not big, they're small. And they're so small that you can do them on a regular basis with very little cost to you. But with that said, because they're so small and because you can do them so regularly, they actually have a much more tremendous cost to you. You know why? The cost is love. And the cost is true, sincere care and genuine care that cannot be faked. Look, what shows that you love a person? Big things or little things? There are very, very few people, very few people that if they called you in the middle of the, at least I hope there's very few people, that if they called you in the middle of the night, stranded by the side of the beltway, in desperate need because there's people who are, are, are throwing rocks at them, Okay, and they ran out of gas and their car's broken down and they just need somebody to pick them up and take them to, to their home. There's very few people that you wouldn't do that for, I hope. Even your worst enemy, you would do that for. 
anybody you do that for. Like you couldn't, you'd see a stranger, you'd do that for. That doesn't show love. That shows you have blood inside your vein. You know, it shows much more love when I'm busy and someone just needs to talk. And I don't want to talk. I especially don't want to listen to you talk. But someone needs to talk. But I'm busy. And is it not life or death? If it's life or death, we drop everything. It's just I'm sad after school today. And I'm just like, hey, dad, you busy? Oh, I see you're busy. Oh, okay, it's okay, don't worry. That's love. That's love, is dropping what I'm doing. Like, that's love. It's not the big things that show love, it's the little things. The people that you love the most are not that you do the biggest things for, it's people that you do the littlest things for. And if you wanna know who loves you the most, it's the people who do those little things. And in fact, studies, again, the researchers will tell you this. The number one predictor, the number one predictor of people's perception of you, of people's perception of you, will be how you are able to identify and address the small needs, not the big ones. People don't define you as kind or nice or loving or caring because you do big things, you pick them up in the middle of the night. People define you as loving, as caring, as nice, as a genuine friend, as a brother, as a sister, as someone who I can count on because of the little things, not the big things. And that's what we're gonna talk about right here today. Four very small things that can make a big difference. Y'all ready? Number one is the one that you would think of right off the bat, small acts of service. Small acts of service. And again, emphasizing small. Small acts of service, meaning it's his turn to do the dishes, but I'll do them anyway. It's not my job to change the toner in the printer at the office, but I'll go ahead and do it anyway. He's supposed to get up early and make the coffee for both of us, but you know what? I'll go ahead and do that today. I'm at Starbucks, I'm picking up my latte, grande, whatever, and I decide to pick up some of those little cake pops for everyone else in the office, just for no reason other than just to be a nice guy. Little, small, trivial, meaningless, the world isn't gonna change acts of service and often say I love you more than anything else. I love this verse that describes the life of Christ on this earth. This should be us if we are his children. It says how God anointed, Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, who went about doing good. This should be us. We should be known as people who just go about doing good. Hey, something good happened right here. I bet you it was the Christian in the office. Hey, something good happened at home. Oh, I bet you it was the one who just came from church because church, Christianity, Bible, prayer, all these things should lead us to just go about doing good with nothing in return, nothing that we're desiring, just we are going about doing good as the same way that Jesus did. Now, before you run out there and start doing good, you know the most important thing about doing good is doing good as perceived by the other person. So think about your person that you're doing the kindness challenge for. There's a book written by Gary Chapman, a famous book called The Five Love Languages. You guys are familiar with the book, The Five Love Languages. Basically says that we all receive love in different languages. Some people receive love by words of, of, of uh, by like words of affirmation to say like, you know, you're special, you're great. They feel it by words. Other people are physical touch. Other people by spending quality time. Other people by gifts. Other people by doing like physical things for them. When you try to do your acts of service for this person, make sure you try to find their love language and you speak their language because what good is it for me to stand up here if you don't understand Chinese and me to stand up here and scream in Chinese, I love you, I love you, and you don't understand Chinese. So you're like, why is the guy yelling? I'm yelling because I love you. And you're like, leave me alone, you crazy man. 
Because there's no good in yelling, I love you, unless it's able to be understood by the other person. Classic example. The classic example, and if I don't hear an example like this, at least once every couple weeks, not, something must have happened. It's the example, gentlemen, listen up. It's the example of the husband who spends all his time working. Why you work so hard? Why you work so hard? I'm working for them. And they don't appreciate how much I'm working for them. I know the answer and you know the answer. But let me tell you from studies, this again, Shanti Feldhan wrote a great book called For Men Only, all right? Talking about what men need to know about, their, about, about being married and about dealing with women, okay? And in that book, she wrote the following. This is based on studies, not just based on, 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 on her mind. 70% of married women, I'm reading, I quote right here. 70% of married women said that if losing a lot of time with your wife in order to be sure you can provide for her, if you're losing a lot of time with your wife in order to be sure you can provide for her, she would prefer it the other way around and would even give up financial security if that's what it took to get more of you. 70% of married women said that, you know what? If it took a little bit, if we had a little bit less financial security, but it meant he was around more, that's what they would want. And all the wives are smiling like, yeah, I've said that a thousand times. And all the men are like, really? Never heard that one before. The classic example, okay? You are speaking your love language, trying to give her what you want, financial security, but what she wants is you around. And that's what the kids want is you around. No one cares about the big house, they want you around. So if you think you're doing this for them, and what they're saying is this is the worst thing that's ruined our life, then that's not an act of kindness. That's an act of unkindness. Ladies, she also wrote a book called For Women Only, which I highly recommend as well. And in that, she talks about what men need from you as well. And what men need, I'll give you a summary. Men need respect. Men need to be admired. Men need to be believed in. That's much more important than anything else is believe in your husband, that he's the knight in shining armor. One other thing she wrote, but we're PG-13 around here, so I won't say, but you can connect the dots here, okay? What uh, other thing that you can, that men need. That's a no-brainer, right? That's an easy one, okay? So before you jump into doing good, before you jump into, and that's in marriage, by the way, okay? That's in marriage, okay? Let me emphasize that was in marriage, okay? Non-married should not have been taking notes in that last section, okay? Before you jump into doing good with your kindness person, okay? Before you jump into it, stop and think, how does this person receive love? And you say, well, how am I supposed to know how they receive love? I'll give you an easy one. You know how they receive love? Ask, how do they show love? Parents, this is especially important with your children. If you want to know what's important to your children, see how they show love to you or what's meaningful to them. Like, how do they express their love? Are they words people? If so, write them a little note in their little lunch. You may not be the words person, but if they are, write them a note. Are they quality time people? Cancel your appointments for one afternoon. Go pick them up early from school. They'll survive if they missed, you know, algebra for one day. And go take them to the park and spend a day with them in a park. Why not? If they are our physical touch people, give them a big hug as soon as they walk in the house. Like, find out what their love language is by seeing how they express love to others and then do the same back with them. Okay? That's number one, small acts of service. Number two is specifically give undivided attention. Let me highlight the word undivided because we these days are experts at, how we, at, at divided attention and it's killing relationships. 
Give undivided attention. Be 100% present. The best way to say that I love you, that I value you, is to be attentive and all there when you are with that person. You may not be able to spend all day with them. You may only get 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it may be. For that 20, 30 minutes, an hour, be all there. Be all present in that relationship. You ever walked into your boss's office and said, hey, I got a question, and he continues to type? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. You ever done that? How does it make you feel? You ever been in a conversation with a person? Maybe a priest, for example. And he's talking to you, but he's kind of like looking over your shoulder the whole time. I know that I used to do that, and people called me out on that. And I do my best not to do that because people told me how it made them feel. Like he's looking past you like, yeah, we're talking, but he's kind of looking like who's next and who's waiting. You ever called someone on the phone? And this may be ladies for their husband be especially applicable. And you know he's not listening. Because all you hear is, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then you even ask him, are you playing video games? Uh -huh. I mean, uh, what? <laughs> what all that says is, you're not worthy of my time. You're not valuable. What segment of society, what relationship in this world is the relationship that complains more than any other about not having the attention of the other person? Is it wives complain about not having attention from husbands? No. Is it parents complain about their children not paying attention to them? No. Someone here and sit in the front row. By far, far and away, the number one segment is children complaining about their parents. So parents, listen up. It's not our kids that have a problem with their cell phones, it's us. Every study, every study shows that kids are way more dissatisfied with their parents' obsession with technology than the opposite way around. We think it's those darn kids and their darn technology. It's not the darn kids. It's not their darn technology, it's us. And it's our children who are the ones who are calling us out on it. And if we don't like the way our children are with technology, maybe we should look in the mirror and maybe they're learning it from us. So parents, put down the phone. Put away that laptop. Yeah, you might miss an email. You might not get the update from the blog about the latest green smoothie, whatever. Okay, you might have to just survive with your current 15 recipes of green smoothies. You missed it. But it may be a game changer in your relationship. It may show that child of yours what it means to have healthy relationships and to give undivided. It may show them that they matter to you. You know, true story. Again, I love the stories that I'm getting from this kindness challenge. This is a story, but I'm, I'm keeping them obviously anonymous because these are people from our congregation. There's one mom who's doing this challenge with her teen son. And this mom and the teen son couldn't be different, more different in terms of their interests. Like the mom likes, you know, baking and, you know, taking walks, you know, and gardening. The kid likes blood and guts and video games that have blood and guts. Okay, like that's what the teen boy is into. So they couldn't be more opposite. And this mom decided, you know what? She's gonna do this kindness challenge with this, with, with this son of hers. And in the evenings, okay, they have dinner together as a family. And then usually what happens is, you know, maybe the parents will sit down, have a cup of tea, maybe read, maybe talk, wheel of fortune, you know, whatever it may be like the parents do in, in the evening. And then the son will sit there for about two seconds and then he'll go to the basement and play his blood and guts video game as, as long as his parents will allow him. Well, one night, 
the mother decided that she was going to enter the world of blood and guts. And she knew her son played this game called God of War. Y'all know this? Okay. I said, great, God of War, spiritual. Like, it's something about, <laughs> it's not spiritual. Okay. It's not spiritual. I looked it up. It's not spiritual. But anyway, what it is, is blood and guts. Okay. That's just what all these things are and fighting and whatever. And it's not her cup of tea. But she decided she was going to read up on it. And she did her research and she understood God of War. And she goes downstairs to the basement. Of course, she comes down there, she sits down, and the kid thinks, uh, what did I do? Like, I must be in trouble. Like, why would mom come down here to, you know, the bat cave, you know? And she wasn't in trouble. She just sat there with him. And then she started, you know, discussing with him. Oh, is that the, you know, I, you know, is that the new whatever? Oh, and watch out for the, you know, like, like whatever. She started discussing with him. And at first, he was shocked. Second, he laughed at her hysterically. And then third, he was so impressed. So much so that she overheard him the next day telling his friend as they were waiting for the bus or getting off the bus or something like that, I have the coolest mom in the world. She knows God of war. Proverbs 23, seven, listen to what Solomon says. He says, my son, but I'm telling you, parents may have to go the other, or children would say this to you as parents, but all relationships. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Saying, pay attention to me. This is a father exhorting his children, which is what we usually think. Like, son, pay attention when I'm talking to you. But I think some of us fathers need to hear from our sons saying, dad, pay attention to me. Mom, pay attention to me co-worker, you're busy and you're whatever it may be. And then someone just comes and needs to just chat. Pay attention to me. Turn, stop typing when I walk into your cubicle. Because that's the greatest way that you can show someone love. We're all busy. We all got deadlines. We all got stuff. But Feldhan says this nice quote. The person may be an interruption, but kindness refuses to make them feel like one. Isn't that nice? The person who comes into your cubicle, the child who interrupts your phone call, the parent who calls again for the 10th time this week, like enough, I'm safe, I ate. Okay, you don't need to call me every day and see if I ate. They may be an interruption, but kindness makes sure that they don't feel that way. And we need to get better at that. Number one was small acts. Number two was undivided attention. Number three is gonna be a surprise for you. You're gonna say, how is this an act of kindness? Share a need. Share a need of your need. Tell this person, I need help with. I could use a hand with. Share a need and ask for help. And for some of you, this might be the most loving thing that you can do. Why? Why is sharing a need a loving, kind thing? Because, of course, there are exceptions to what I'm about to say. There's always exceptions. But for the most part, and the relationships that are closest to you, your family, your friends, the people that you care about and that care about you. For the most part, those people in your life really, really, really want to please you. They want to make you happy. They want to be loving. They want to be kind. They want to be there when you need them. You got to believe that. And because they want to be there for you, sometimes the nicest thing that you can do is tell them how 
they can do it instead of making them guess and get it wrong. This is true in marriage. This is true in parenting. This is true with your children. This is true with your friends. We got to believe that the people who are around us want to help us and give them a chance to do so and not assume that they don't. There's a story that, that Feldhand gives in this book. It's about a married couple, specifically a, a wife and a husband who are going out on a date night. And she says this. This is a wife speaking. During the 30-day kindness challenge, I've learned to ask my husband specifically if I want him to do something like open doors for me, rather than expecting him and getting irritated if he doesn't. I haven't always been good at that. One night we were going out on a date. We try to do that once a month. He was wearing an old t-shirt, shorts, and tennis shoes. I felt deflated. I had carefully selected a nice dress, did my hair, put on my makeup, and nice perfume. I was ready for a date. When he came in, it looked like he was ready to mow the lawn. He asked. So I said, here's a tip. Basically, she goes on to say like how normally she would just be annoyed at him. But she said, kindness challenge. Instead of just getting annoyed at him for looking like he's mowing the lawn, let me tell him. So she goes on. <laughs> if you walk the dogs or work out in it, it's not a date night outfit. That's what she told him. If you walk the dogs in it or you work out in it, it's not a date night outfit. I'm sure he could have put it on, put it, I'm sure I could have put it more nicely, but at the moment, it was the best I could do. He quickly got up, changed into a shirt with a collar, and the next time I was shopping, I picked out two shirts on sale and asked him if he liked them. I said, here are two new date night shirts for you. I wish he would have picked them out himself, but he's always been a t-shirt and shorts guy, and what's great is he said he appreciated my getting them for him. They look really nice on him. I compliment him, yada, 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 happily ever after. She wanted to get annoyed. She wanted to get irritated. And then she simply said, hey, would you mind if you wear this? And she gave him very specific instructions. Here's shirt A, here's shirt B. Next time I say date night, put this on. And the time after, put this on. And it worked out great for them because she shared what was on her mind. Now, I, the automatic response, I say share need. The automatic response is, well, I shouldn't have to. He should know. Told him a thousand times. I've told her a thousand times. My boss knows, but he just doesn't care. My, my kids know, but they don't care. I've told my mom, I've told my dad. They know they just don't care. Number one, remember our first challenge and the kindness challenge was Nick's negativity. That still applies. So maybe they should know. But for 30 days, we're gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. And for 30 days, we're gonna believe the best. And for 30 days, we're gonna say, you know what? Maybe they're not being vindictive. Maybe they're not being vengeful. Maybe they're not being lazy slobs. For 30 days, I'm gonna say, you know what? I, he should know that I need help. But I'm just gonna tell him, hey, it really would help out a lot if you got off the couch and helped me out here in the kitchen, please. But with a nice attitude, not with that little please little thing that I just gave her there. For 30 days, Instead of saying, you know what? She should know how busy I am. She should know not to ask. She should know that I have deadlines. I say nicely, you know what, sweetheart? I would love to help. But you know what? I got these deadlines and this project. So can I take a rain check on, on this event for this night? And can I just, can I make it up next week? Because really, I got this thing. Like ask for help. And when you ask for help, if you take, what it is is we don't like it because it's a step of vulnerability. It makes the person able to shoot us down. 
And, to, and we, get to, we might have to hear, I don't care about you. And it does put you vulnerable. But it might be a game changer in your relationship. Give it a try. Be vulnerable. Share a need. Step out there. See what it does for your relationship. I love this verse from St. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He speaks to Corinthian, the, the church in Corinth. And he says, Oh, Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us. You are restricted by your own affections. Meaning there's, there's some blockage on your end. And look what he says here. He says, now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Be open. Tell me when you need help. Tell me when it's too much. Ask, because sometimes it's the most kind, loving thing you can do. And I'll prove it to you right now. I won't make you raise your hands. I know the result, at least I hope I know the results. And I'm going to live with this world in my world. If it's not true, I'm just going to live with it. How many people here, if you found out that I was in need of something, would want me to ask you for help? Like how many people here, if you found out, you know what? Father Anthony, like, needs some money. Like, he just needs some money to pay this month's bills. Would you want me to ask you? If you found out I needed a ride, like, I, I, I landed on the airport, and, and I don't, no one was there to pick me up, and I don't know how to use Uber because I'm old. Would you want me to call you? If, if you knew that, like, you know what? I had a piece of furniture that was in my garage. I needed to move it upstairs, and I'm going to break my back, okay? I'm going to be limping around because I'm an old man. And you lived close by, and you had the ability to help me. Would you want me to ask you? Of course you would. And you're going to say yes, even if you, like, yes, you would. So why wouldn't you give me the chance to do the same thing for you? Like, it would make you happy to do that for me. Why won't you let me have that same happiness and do it for you? But not just saying, everybody call me. Why don't you let someone else do that for you? Like, you, you want to be there for your parents. You want to be there for your children. Well, well let them be there for you. You want to be there for your friends. Let them be there for you. Why deny them the very thing that you want them to give to you? That's what St. Paul is saying right here. And that's what we need to get better at, asking for help. Last one, small acts, undivided attention, share a need. And this last one, refuse to respond. Do not respond. Now, some of you, the men in the room are thinking, hey, that's great, that's my specialty. <laughs> I'm not saying don't talk, okay? That's why I said respond, not talk. You should talk. Okay, and some of you need to respond a little bit more, okay, when there's a conversation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about don't respond tit for tat. Don't fire back at every comment online or every tweet that's disagreeing with your political viewpoint. Let it go. Don't feel like you have to get the last word in every conversation. Let it go. There's a great expression in Arabic. Okay, those who understand Arabic will get it. I'll explain it for not. I'm not saying that you let everything go that you're a doormat, but the expression in Arabic is enlarging your brain, your mind. <laughs> enlarging your mind. Okay? Kabbar demerek. Okay? Make your brain, your mind bigger. Enlarging your mind. Which means don't get so focused on petty little things. Don't get so stuck on the minute that you miss the big picture. I'm not saying let people walk all over you, but what I'm saying is you don't have to respond. Like if somebody tweets something, you don't have to respond. If someone comments on this, on this post, you don't have to respond. If, someone's in a, if you're in an argument, you don't have to get the last word. 
Proverbs 19.11. It says, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is to his glory to overlook at an, an offense. Now, I'll be very honest. This is not easy for me. I'm a preacher. It's my job to get the last word. That's what I'm trained and paid to do. It's not easy for me to be in a conversation because I'm a black and white kind of a guy. I'm a right and wrong. It's not easy for me when I see someone in the wrong to just let it go. But what I've learned is that sometimes refusing to respond is the best response you'll ever give. True story. It's probably about 10, 12 years ago, something like that. I got an email from somebody who I didn't know who was criticizing. And it was basically like, a, like something they posted online and then they were courteous enough, because they know I don't have Facebook, courteous enough to send me the post to make sure that I got it, okay? So not just to say bad things about me outside, but make sure that I got a chance to read it as well. Very kind. Okay. And criticizing me and my ministry and my preaching and, you know, watering down the faith and, you know, you know doesn't know what he's talking about. And, and the word that I remember was deceiving. Okay, I remember that being in there. And that, that kind of pushed my buttons a little bit because I, I'm okay if you accuse me of not being the smartest guy. Like, I never say I'm smart, but I, 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 I'm not deceiving. Like, I, I'm not gaining any, like, I'm... Drive, like, I drive a 2011 Hyundai Sonata, okay? Like, I'm not gay. I have nothing to gain from this. I may not be smart, but I am honest, okay? So it, it pushed me in the wrong place. And especially because, without getting all the details, I knew where it was coming from, and it was coming from a person. Well, I didn't know the person, but I know the person who had the person do it. Coming from a place of envy. So I know the person was just envious, okay? Because whatever, whatever. I don't care. My response, how dare he? And I got riled up. And I said, I'm gonna fire back at this guy, like cancel the appointments for the next, or oh, the rest of the afternoon. I'm gonna set this guy straight. And I started to compose my message. And actually when I'm serious about something, I don't do it in the, in the email, I do it in Word, okay? So that I can go back and track changes and like make sure that it's perfect. Okay, and spell check, because so I started to open this document, I'm, oh, and I'm starting, I'm typing, and I'm telling him, you know, I started with the course, you know, the grace to you from, I, whatever kind of intro, which, which means I'm about to say something harsh, okay? So I started nicely, whatever, and I started to set him straight, and you, and people like you are cancer, and Jesus rebuked people like you, and I said, the devil has a special place in hell for people like you. You don't mess with a preacher, okay? This is my job to curse you and give you biblical examples of why. Okay, this is what we do. And I started and I started and I started and I told him he's wrong. And I told him how the easiest thing to do when you are someone looking for attention is find someone who has attention and criticize him. That's the easiest thing you do. Okay, if you're especially on social media, the easiest thing to do is find someone who has people who are like looking at him and just throw rocks at him. The people start to look at you. So this is how you build yourself up. Like you're taking this guy and you're pushing off, like you're using him to make yourself appear like something. And I criticized him and I told him and I told him and I told him and I finished it up and I hit send. And I sent it to my wife. And I'll be honest, I thought about sending it to him. Because I had it saved in my sent mail. But I didn't. At the time, I sent it to my wife. I knew I did the right thing. But man, oh man, I let it go. A couple weeks later, 
Same person? Post on his Facebook or whatever it was, or I don't know how he got, probably on Facebook. A very similar email that he sent to another priest. And that priest did respond to him. And he posted both of them up there. And when I saw that, thank you, God. <laughs> thank you, God, that I refused to respond. Because had I responded, that other priest, his response wasn't as clever as mine, okay? <laughs> but it was in a similar vein. <laughs> had I responded, that post would be out there somewhere right now for all generations to see. And it would not have been a good thing. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. He must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. What I learned from that, that I share with you today, is kindness matters because our mission is too great to waste it on dumb little things. Some piddly little squeak on the other side of a computer halfway across the world, probably 12 years old and just skip third period to write like, I got better things to do than let that guy ruin my ministry. A minister of God, a servant of God can't be quarrelsome because he's got a bigger vision. And you know what? You in the office, you in, 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 on social media, you in whatever argument, yeah, you want to get the last word. And yeah, you want to stick it to that person. But doing so, maybe next time Friends and Family Day comes around, you just lost your ability to invite them to church. Parents, you're arguing with your kids and it is so hard to let them get the last word, isn't it? It is so hard to let them get that last word. You get the last word. You asserted your authority. But you lost a chance to model the very thing that you want them to do. Insisting I'm right, you may win an argument, but you may lose any hope of really solving the problem. We need to be enlarged-minded people. We need to be big-minded people, not focusing on little things. Let it go. Let it go. Let the comment go. Let the tweet go. Let the argument go. Let them have the last word. We need to learn how to let the small things go so that we can focus on the big things because we have too much at stake to waste it on winning an argument. Sometimes you need to walk away so that you have an opportunity that you can walk back later. Because you know why? Had I sent that reply, reply to that guy, I couldn't preach this message today. I would have to cancel church today. Because had I sent that, couldn't be here right now. Because the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. Be kind, able to teach. Last verse, this is our theme verse for this series. I'll just remind you of it again. And hey, you know what? I'll add to our challenge. Let's try to memorize this verse as well. Like, especially if you're taking this thing seriously, memorize this verse because there's power in the words of Christ when we take it and we apply it and we memorize it. But love your enemies. Let's say it all together. Actually, so it kind of goes in our head all together. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. As we leave here today, like I said, if you kind of change for 30 days, then you will kind of get results. But if you want real results, then you need to see real change. You need to make real change. And let me encourage you.
that we got two weeks left in this challenge. Let's go and let's do it the right way. Let's do it the way Jesus would do it. Let's go out there hoping for nothing in return. Nothing in return from my boss. Nothing in return from my coworker, from my parent who's difficult, from my child who's difficult. Nothing in return. But let us be kind, even if they're unthankful, even if they're evil. We're not going to call them evil because we're no negative. But even if they're unthankful, let's be kind and let's expect nothing in return. And if nothing else happens, we agreed. We're not doing this necessarily to change them, but to change us. Nothing else happens. Your reward will be great. And you will be called the son of the most high because that's who he is. And that's what we want for our life. Final reminder. Every day, in addition to no negative, in addition to practice praise, we need to do a small act. Not big, but small. Small in terms of size, big in terms of love and care and thought and quality. Every day, do a small act of kindness or generosity for your person, and let's see what happens over these next two weeks. Let's stand together for a prayer, please. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the kindness which you show to us on a day-to-day -day basis. Lord, you are good even when we're not good. Help us, Lord, to take that love that you show us and, and, and show it to the entire world. But especially over these next two weeks, Lord, help us to show that love to the person who's in our mind right now. Help us to expect nothing in return, Lord, and remove from our hearts any kind of conditionalness that's connected to our kindness and our, our love in any way. We want to do this the right way, Lord, as you taught us to do. Accept this prayer in the name of your Son, the prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray, thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, in Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.